So that was the test of canonicity. I hope that's very clear. I want to state that again. The word canonicity or canon, by the word canon, we mean we're talking about a measurement. You're talking about rules and regulations that various books had to go through and to meet the standard. And out of all the books that these scholars, people good in language, in background, people who had the discernment from God set apart by God specifically for the purpose. I want to say it again. I'm not talking about the names of those councils because it's always debatable. If I mention the name, some of you might think, well, somebody say it's not that council. So I don't want to leave that out. And I want to say that God had already ordained 66 books, but he allowed the human people to come together and compile these books together. We believe only in 66 inspired, inherent, therefore illuminating word of God, which becomes the final authority in our life. Again, I am stressing, this is for Protestant born-again believers. The Catholic Church has extra books that they have added. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Protestant New Testament believers. Now, if anybody asks me, why do I believe only in the 66 books? Like I said, the 66 books talks to me about the way of life. I make my decisions based on these books. I make all my thinking. My, the, the 66 books tells me all I need to know, all I need to know and do in this life. And that's why I believe in the 66 books. Now, for example, now I know some people, some people would actually say, um, some people would actually say, well, you know what? Uh, just like how you say that your Bible, your book is inspired. Well, I also believe that my book is inspired. You're right. Okay. You might actually say that. You might say, well, I believe you guys believe only 66 books are inspired. I believe there are some extra books that are inspired. Well, what about that? Read the content. Read the content of those books. If you read the books that have not been included, those books does not have any value enough to help a person understand God's personality, understand God's plan, and understand God's purpose. Those books that have not been added were basically informative books. Books that contain information in whatsoever way. That's, what I, that's why I don't believe in those books. Again, absolutely nothing wrong in reading those books. But those books are not inspired in the way when I that was meant by God for me to read to get to know Him. Secondly, when you're talking to any person... Uh, in regards to their faith. Well, my encouragement would, to you would be not to use this as a method to talk to them about the gospel. Well, brother, sister, I want you to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. And I want you to believe in the Bible. Okay. Well, I want you to believe in 66 books of the Bible. But that's not the approach. Don't get into an argument with them about why our books are inspired and your books are not inspired. Instead of getting into that kind of an argument, why don't you talk to them about concepts that are found in your Bible? I'll explain that. Concepts. Now, if they say, well, I believe my extra 14 or 15 or 16 books are inspired, why can't I believe that they are inspired? So you tell them, that's great. Why don't you get one of those books and let's sit down and read that book together? Okay, why don't I read that book too? Why don't you? And tell me, how does that book allow me to understand about God? You get that? Look for those kind of concepts, okay? Look for those kind of concepts or content in those books. Now, some of you might sit there and say, well, well, how does uh, 
well how does uh, first chronicles how do i read first chronicles and well first chronicles gives you the history specifically of the people of god and there is so much of history that you can study about the people of god chosen by god the people of god or understanding of the people of god gives you a better understanding of who the god is that has chosen them so i just want to leave it with that that is what canonicity means we believe in the inspiration only of 66 books in the bible if you have a question please whatsapp me that question and then i'll try to answer it along as we go along okay i want to go ahead i want to talk to you us talk to us about the original autograph i want to take a few minutes to talk to all of us about the original autograph you can write this title down and then i'll explain what this title is the original autograph um original autograph um i want you to understand uh, i want you to understand one important aspect now. now just for a brief moment uh, just for a brief moment i want you to think of me as moses okay i'm taking on the role of moses and i want you to just listen do not think of anything else in your mind right now just try to listen to what i'm actually telling you i want you to think of me as moses i am moses right now i'm not joven i am moses and i am sitting under a tree and i'm on my phone and i want you to listen to this conversation as i'm sitting under the tree and on my phone i hear the voice of god joven joven what god how are you doing well, i'm doing good how are you doing well everything good what are you up to nothing just on facebook <laughs> Are you on Zipporah's page? No, no, no. God, stop it! No, stop it! Okay. Well, Moses, I want you to write down certain things that I want to speak to my people Israel. Okay. I'm Moses. Okay. And I take a paper and I take a pen. And God says, write this down and go and tell this to the people of Israel. What am I, Moses, doing? I'm writing this down. So God says, write down. For example, thou shalt not kill thou shall uh, not kill so god how do you spell kill k i l l thou shall not kill oh okay now go and tell this to the people of israel thou shall not kill i moses wrote this with my own handwriting who held my hands god held my hands god gave me his thoughts and god's thoughts what i wrote down he intends that i go tell this to the people of israel and i've written it with my own hands i've written this down and i go to the people of israel hey guys god wants me to tell you something god says thou shall not kill this is the words of god what i moses wrote with my own hands on that piece of paper is what we call as the original autograph is what we call as the original autograph i'll say that again what i wrote with my own hands on that piece of paper guided by the hand of god what i moses wrote is called the original autograph now there is obviously only one copy of the original autograph one copy because i've written it down i moses wrote it down so what do i do i meet with the 10 tribes and i take this note with me 
I need the tribe of Judah and I take this class and I'm reading from the original autograph. Years and years and years later, we have people who are called as the scribes. You know, they understood that using this one original autograph is becoming difficult because we can't have multiple classes. We can have only one class because there's only one original autograph. So what happened? Scribes are people who write stuff down. Scribes started to note down the original autograph. Now this is how I want to explain it and I hope you guys understand. For example, I Moses look at the people who are attending this class and I see that there are 33 people sitting here. Whatever you guys see on my slide prepared by me, all the words that I put, the pictures that I put, that is called as the original autograph. Because these are my thoughts that God has placed in my mind that I have put together myself. But probably there are 30 of you listening to me right now and each of you writing down in your paper in your handwriting, recording what I'm saying is what we call as manuscripts. That is what we call as manuscripts. That is the difference between the original and that is the difference between manuscripts. Guys, I hope there's no confusion. If you have a question, ask it to me on WhatsApp. But just listen to me right now. Original autograph, there's only one copy each of the 66 books. Manuscripts, oh, there are 33 of you, 30 of you probably. 30 of you, who's writing down everything that I'm saying? There's 30 manuscripts. Now, for example, Jesslyn is listening to me right now and Jesslyn is writing it down. So when Jesslyn writes it down, Jesslyn would title his manuscript as J1. Jesslyn 1. Just for your understanding, I'm just trying to make it simple for you. Jesslyn writes it down and Jesslyn calls it as J1. Okay? J1. One. Jessalyn has a copy of the original autograph. What does uh, Jessalyn do? Jessalyn makes another copy of the same thing. He calls it J2. He makes another copy. J3. Maybe he's got, let's just say he's got 10 copies right now. Why does he make 10 copies? Well, he wants to give one copy to Justin next door. He wants to give another copy to Raven. He wants to give another copy to Pisty. Okay? So he's given J2 to Justin, he's given J3 to Raven, he's given J4 to Pisty. Manuscript. What does Pisty do? Pisty has J4. Pisty takes down, uh, Pisty has J4 in front of him and he copies it down. He writes it down for his own benefit, for his own family. He writes down what Jesslyn has written. So J J Pisty has Jesslyn's J4 copy, Jesslyn 4 copy. And Pisty would call his copy as J4P1. I hope you guys are getting what I'm trying to say. It's just to simply simplify what, what, what we mean by manuscript. J4P1. What does that mean? This is Jesselyn's fourth copy of the original autograph. My first copy. And if Minu writes it down, Minu would probably put it as J4P1. M, you know, with M1. Like this, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of manuscripts available today of the books of the Bible. I read somewhere, again, numbers is not what matters, but I read somewhere we have about 5,800 such manuscripts. 
okay 5800 manuscripts over the years these manuscripts have been increasing and increasing and increasing they've been passed along from here to there to there to there to there everybody is reading it i mean when i say everybody i hope you guys what understand what i mean a lot of people are reading it a lot of people are taking these manuscripts to read it so that's what i was trying to say when people were reading these manuscripts different places god placed discerning people in these churches to understand which of these books of the bible had authority they were given the discernment to understand say hey, this book is good years and years and years and years and years and years and years later of course because the bible was written in hebrew and in greek certain modern day scholars who understood the hebrew and the greek what they would do they would go and take such manuscripts okay uh manuscripts okay so uh how do we know now if manuscripts were being written down over and over and over again they would not edit the manuscript no because they are copying as it is they would not edit they will not add info to it and they will not alter the originally because they are writing as it is like for example it's like keeping a tracing paper on top of it okay they would not do that because yes guys like i said it's not every random person who's writing it right it's not every random person i want you to understand understand that the scribes were the one who was doing it so they would not necessarily edit or add more info or alter why because they're just writing as it is and it is the word of god okay so we we can believe that the manuscripts are right now another thing that i want to tell you uh if anybody uh if anybody understands if anybody uh, would take christies uh, if anybody wants to understand well is these manuscripts are right all that they need to do is take menus manuscript christies manuscript jesper's manuscript put it down together and they would find out that well they all written down the same thing they all convey the same concept they all convey the same message now that does not mean It does not mean that probably a comma might be missing in the manuscript. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that. Okay, that's not what I'm trying to mean. Maybe a comma is missing from Menu's manuscript. That's absolutely fine. It's not changing the concept of the Bible, because like I said, concepts of the Bible always remain the same throughout the manuscript. Throughout the Bible, the concept of salvation is one and the same. Okay, so. Uh, Okay, so now what, uh, the uh, original autographs they were manuscripts. Years and years and years and years later, certain scholars who wanted to make the Bible uh, wanted to make the Bible in modern languages. What would they do? They would take a manuscript and they would find the number just in six, fifty-four, zero two. Oh, okay. You get that numbering what I was talking about. And they would use that manuscript. and they would make translations and that's how we get the english translation today that's how we get the english translation today that because people use different manuscripts from different periods of time that's why you have translations that are very different from each other okay uh yes we can consider different versions of the bible from different manuscripts that's what i'm just trying to explain here because probably some translators have used an earlier manuscript 
some translations would have used a, 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 a manuscript little later after that. But again, there is no problem. When you read any English version of the Bible, even though they use different words in Sanskrit, they all agree with the same thing. So yeah, we can do that. Now let me explain translate. Let me explain translate. I know some of us think, oh man, it's really sad that we have various translations. Actually, no. I don't think it's a sad thing. I think we should consider ourselves blessed because we have so many translations, English translations. I don't see a problem in having so many different translations because even though words are different, it never dilutes the concept of God in any of these translations. Nobody reads these different translations and say, oh, God in the NIV is different from the God in the NASB. No. God is, the, God is one and the same. Okay? So it's a blessed thing that we have a lot of translations. Why? Because other holy books do not have such translations. We are blessed because scholars have taken time to, uh, to, to, to read the Hebrew. They are scholars. They are not ordinary people. They know every bit of the Hebrew Bible and the Greek. They have taken it and they have translated. Now, why are translations different? Why is the NIV different from NASB, different from NLT, different from ESV, different from RSV? Why is that different? That's what we need to understand. Certain people took the manuscript, and when they translated from the Hebrew and the Greek to English, they translated this word by word. They translated everything word by word. Certain people, when they Uh, guys, can you hear me? Yeah. Guys, can you all hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay, so somebody said the time limit ran out. Guys, can somebody help me out? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. You can hear me. Okay, okay, okay. No, I, somebody said time ran out, that's why. Okay? Yeah, so uh, translation. So now some translators took these manuscripts and they translated it word by word. Word by word. Some translators took these manuscripts and translated it meaning by meaning. And some translators took these uh, manuscripts and translated it thought by thought. That's the reason why we have translations so different from each other. That's why when you read certain translations, those translations are word by word translation of the manuscript. Certain translations are talking about these concept by concept, thought by thought, meaning by meaning. Okay, I hope you understand. That's why translations are different from each other. Now I uh, now I will not get into a debate. See, that's the question I put in yesterday. I will not debate. I do not want to debate about which is the best translation. Okay. <clears throat> NIV. Uh, I will not make mention about which translation is better than any other translation. NIV. Uh, I will not press and tell you that this is the only translation that you need to read. NIV. I will make. I will leave that choice to you. But one thing I want to encourage all of you guys. One thing I want to encourage you guys. It's always good to have multiple translations when you do your reading. Read a translation that you are comfortable with, but also read another translation. 
Okay, it's nice. You get a better idea. I mean, not a better idea. You get a different view. That's why when you read, sometimes we hear people saying, uh, uh, "This is what the Word of God says." Another translation would say, "Another translation would say this." Another translation would say that. So it's always better to use the translation that you are comfortable with. If you've been using a particular translation, use that translation. But when you do that for your personal reading, it's always good that uh, you read another translation just to get a better idea. So that's how we got the original autograph, the manuscript, and the translation. I hope you guys are very clear with this. If you have a question, put it on WhatsApp. What Moses, what Paul wrote with their own hand, we call it as the original autograph. Uh, what the scribes, scholars who made copies of these uh, of the original autograph is what we call as manuscript. Okay, and there are so many manuscripts today, so many that we can actually compare. And from these manuscripts, other scholars today who are good in language take these translations, take these manuscripts, translated it into English, and that's how we have so many English translations today. There are thousands and thousands of manuscripts that are available that talk about the authenticity of the Holy Word of God. Now let me add, this information that I'm giving you, this understanding that I'm giving you, will only make sense to born-again church-going people. This is not a tool I would encourage you to use or talk to someone when you are sharing the gospel with them, because they do not get it. This is for our understanding. Like if you sit in church with your English Bible and you're wondering, well, how did I get the English Bible? How did, how did this come about? This is the idea that I'm giving And this is only for that idea. This is not a tool for you to share the gospel. Okay? Uh, this is not a tool for you to share the gospel. I hope you keep it in your mind. Now, like somebody else earlier asked, well, if people are recording it, will they not edit it? Will they not add anything to it? Will they not alter? They will not edit they will not add, they will not alter because they know that they are recording the word of God. They know that. They are doing it with a, they are doing it diligently. They will not edit it because God himself says anybody adds or deletes, well, he will be a consequence. But of course, human error is possible. Human error is possible. Possibly, possibly maybe a comma is missing from somewhere. And I know that there are those outside of the Christian faith who use this to attack and say that the Bible has errors. There are many people who actually say, your Bible has been translated over and over and over again because of which your Bible is not true. And they say your Bible has a lot of mistakes. Okay? Now, let me just clarify this. I don't believe that the Bible has any errors. I believe that there are problem passages. I'll explain. I believe that there are problem passages. Okay? What I mean is that there are passages in the Bible that seem problematic. Okay? Uh, there, 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 there seems to be problems in the passage. But each of these problematic passages can always be explained. There seems to be a problem, but there actually is no problem. There seems to be an error, but actually there is no error in 
scripture. Before I go ahead, I want to stress again. When we talk about inerrancy and then we say that there is no error, we are saying that there is no error in the concepts of the word of God. I'll just give you a few seconds uh, just to write down whatever you're writing and then we'll just continue. Two seconds I'll just give you. Okay, so we'll continue. There seems to be problematic passages, but they can always be explained. Again, I cannot explain all the problematic passages, but just to give you an idea. Once I heard this uh, Muslim so-called scholar debating, and uh, he was having an issue with the Bible, saying that the Bible has been translated over and over again, so much so that there are errors in the Bible. Errors in the Bible. And this is one such error. He said, when you look at the Bible, the Bible in Numbers 25 verses 9 says, but those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. And then he again quoted 1 Corinthians 10 verse 8. But 1 Corinthians 10 verses 8 says, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. So he quoted these two verses and he said, there is error in the Bible. Why? Because somehow, 1,000 people are missing in 1 Corinthians. This is an error. This is a mistake. And there was a lot of, of uh, he was saying, because of which the Bible cannot be trusted. But like I said, it's just, this is a problematic passage. It's not an error. It's a problematic. There seems to be a problem, but this can be explained. Now, I don't have to explain this. You can see it very clearly. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 8 very clearly says, in one day, 23,000 of them died. Whereas in Numbers 25 and verses 9, the author is talking about the number of people in total that have actually died. So you see how the enemies of the gospel and enemies of the Bible use these kind of errors to say that your Bible is wrong. See, this is what again I'm stressing. Concepts in the Bible are not wrong. Maybe there is a, a question mark that may be there. A comma that might be there. But the concepts about who God is, about salvation, throughout the scriptures remain one and the same. Well, if you believe that only 23,000 died, well, it does not affect your salvation. I'll give you another example. Some people would also talk about the story of Bar the blind Bartimaeus in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, and Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Okay, Matthew, chapter 20, and Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, says two blind people were sitting by the roadside. And the enemies of the Gospel would say, well, Mark chapter 10 says, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Well, a blind man, only one blind man. Where did the other blind man go? That means there's an error in your, there's an error in the Bible. Why? Because Matthew's Gospel is talking about two blind people, and Mark's Gospel is talking about one blind man. There's a mistake. But it's not a mistake. It's a problematic passage. It's a passage that seems to have a problem. Actually, there is no problem in this passage. Uh, can so, no. Can somebody unmute and try to tell me, try to explain, uh, can you tell me how we would explain this passage? It can be two people, but uh, when it's quoted in Mark, it says, uh, I mean, particularly mm -hmm. since it's Baltimore, they say a blind man Baltimore. Good. Yeah. Anybody else would like to add? 
read from uh, the day before yesterday. Anybody else would like to add? It can also be that the two blind men quoted in Matthew were sitting in two different places of a roadside, but Mark is particularly talking about the one sitting where Jesus okay. was walking, or, mm -hmm. you know, not being so together. Yep, yep, you're absolutely right. So now you get it. Yeah. These are the kind of errors that the enemies of the Bible talk about. Errors in numbers. So, I mean, supposed errors in numbers, supposed errors in information. Problematic passages, passages that seem to have a problem, but they can be clearly explained. I mean, I, just to add on to what all you guys were saying, I believe that when Mark was writing the gospel, he his focus is on one guy, blind Bartimaeus. Not that he avoided the other guy, or that there were two and he forgot. No, his focus was on Bartimaeus. It's not an error. It's the way he wrote or composed the gospel. So there is no error in the Bible. The Bible is harmonious with one another. Okay, moving ahead. We spoke about canonicity, the measurement in which the Bible was composed. We spoke about why it was important for 66 books to be put together. Well, that was because there were a lot of false books being circulated and they needed to know which were the right ones. So God appointed discerned people, good in language, set apart by God, to put out of all the books the canon. And when they collected and collected and collected, finally they ended up with the 66 books. Not that 66 has a magical number, but by the plan and the purpose of God, this was the number of books that they had put together. Let me stress, therefore the 66 books in the Protestant born-again believing system, we believe that that has become the standard of our Christian life and our Christian faith. I hope that's clear. Yeah, you have a question in regards to canonicity, you can send me, you can send me a message and I'll try to include that. The languages in which the Bible were written are Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Okay? Uh, these are the three languages in which the Bible was composed. Now, I just want to talk about the division of the Bible, just for our understanding. We know this, but I just want to talk about the division. Before I talk about the division, uh, I, I'm going to, if you want to unmute, you can unmute, that will be great. But I'm going to encourage all of us to say the 66 books of the, yeah, I'll just go back to problem passage number one. Somebody wanted to write this down. Problem passage number one. It's just a reference for you to look back to think if somebody uh, wants to write this down. Okay? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm just going to encourage all of us to say the 66 books together by heart. If you can say it without looking into your Bible, that would be great. If you can't, you can take the help of the Bible. But if you can unmute and help me, that will be great. But let's just do the 66 books together. Ready? We'll have to sing it. We'll have to sing it though. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, I don't know the song, <laughs> but uh, can, so now can we just avoid the song? Okay, here we go. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Judges, 
Joshua, Samuel, Second Samuel, I think the prize goes to Danny. Uh, uh, I heard somebody say Archie and Nancy Drew. That is not part of the Bible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And some of you probably. Those are manuscripts. Placed... <laughs> some of you placed a couple of the books here and there. That's fine. This is my encouragement for the 21 day challenge. If you don't learn the 66 books by heart, that's great. That's good. This is not to show off, but it's good to know the books of the Bible that we hold in our hands. Just for our understanding, I want us to explain the structure of the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament is, is having 36, 39 books in total. The 39 books are divided into four categories. The first five books is what we call as the Pentateuch. Penta means five. These are the five books of the law. Then we have the historical books. The historical books specifically talks about the history of the people of Israel. Sorry. If you remember, I had said this earlier, reading historical books is good because when you read the history of the people of Israel, you get an idea of the history of the God who created the people of Israel. Historical books talks about all the activities of the people of Israel, what they did, where they settled, what happened to them. Then we have the poetical books, so the wisdom literature, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms of Solomon. There's a very different way in interpreting the poetical books because they were written in a poetical language. Then we have what we call as the prophetical. The prophetical books is divided into major and minor. Listen carefully. Major and minor does not mean the minor prophets had lesser value, the major prophets had bigger value. No. They are divided based on the content of their books, the, 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 the number of pages of their books. You look at Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. These are big books, many, many chapters. Okay, many, many chapters. Jeremiah and Lamentation in the Hebrew Bible is one is, is one book. Okay, so uh, Isaiah has 66 books, uh, 66 chapters. So these are all big books. That's what they call major prophets. Not that their work or their ministry was any different to the people uh, of the minor prophets. When you read the minor prophetical books, these are all small, small, small books. That's why they call minor prophets. The last book that was written was the book of Malachi. Now, I just to just to uh, remind us again, this is not the order in which the books were written. Okay, and I don't think there is any special meaning in the arrangement of these books. We don't need to dwell on that. In the Old Testament, actually, the first book that was composed was the book of Job. Okay? Uh, but when you see this arrangement, Genesis comes first because it talks about creation. 
So there's no special way in which it is arranged, uh, but I just want us to understand that this is what it talks about. Pentateuch, the law, uh, aspect of God's creation, historical books about Israel, the poetical language, and how the people or the prophet of God took God's word and spoke to his people. The New Testament. New Testament has 27 books, and the 27 books are divided into five. We have the Gospels. Now, we do not have four Gospels. We have four accounts of the same Gospel. It's very important for us to understand. Four accounts of the same Gospel. That's why it says Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew, the Gospel according to Mark, the Gospel according to Luke, and the Gospel according to John. Then we have the Book of Acts. Just like how in the Old Testament you have the history of the people of Israel, in the New Testament you have the history of the church. The birth of the church is found in Acts chapter 2. And just as how, well, what did the people do in the historical books? Where did they go? How did they function? Same like that, Acts talks about what did the church do? Where did they go? How did they function? After that, we have the letter that is written by the great apostle Paul. Uh, all of his letters are written there. I believe that Paul has written more letters than these, but some of those letters, by God's plan and purpose, well, he didn't include it here. These are the letters that we actually have of the great apostle Paul. We have letters that talks about general topics, general epistles, and then we have a letter that is written that talks about the end world events, the apocalyptic literature that talks about the end world events. Just like how Job is the first book in the Old Testament, James is the first written composed book in the New Testament. And uh, there, But it is not arranged in that way. Like I said, there is no special reason as to why the books are arranged that way. But let us praise and thank God that God has given us 66 books that was put through a lot of tests that allows us to understand all the effort that was taken for us to have this book, this Bible in our hand, which today, again I want to stress, has become the final authority for every decision that we make. Uh, oh, Old Testament slide? Yeah, this is the Old Testament slide. Uh, guys, I want you to take a few minutes, go through your notes. If you have, now listen carefully, if you have a question based on what we spoke about right now, we can use the next, we have 10 minutes to 12.30. If you want to ask it, you can ask it. If you want to put it in the group, you can put it. No, so this will be a lot from Job and Uncle. Yeah. Um, in the Major Prophets, Lamentations is part of it, but it um, has only five chapters. So. Yeah, yeah, so... Danny, like I said, right, in the Hebrew Bible, Jeremiah and Lamentations is one book. I had said that. Okay. Yeah. So that's why it's part of the, in the English it is different. But in the Old Testament, uh, uh, in the Old Testament, sorry, in the Hebrew Bible, it is one book. That's why um, you find that in the major prophets. Okay. Uh, Somebody is asking for the New Testament slide. Yeah. Any questions? Uh, Jobin, yeah. uh, when we are going through these books, as in like learning these books, isn't it important to learn it as a chronological order as such? Not really. Absolutely not really. 
I mean, like when you talk about uh, Jonah or uh, all of those kinds of books, okay. uh, all of them were specifically to the people of Nineveh, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, which one came first, and then after but that? So actually, actually, a chronological learning of those books. Uh, do you uh, are you asking in terms of personal learning, or do you mean personal learning? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't see a real difference if you were to uh, chronologically learn the Bible. Well, it definitely would have its benefits when you, uh, it definitely does have its benefits to understand well, this is how the whole Bible plays in history. So that's good. Uh, that's actually good, but not a necessity. If we can do it, that's great. But actually not a necessity because, like for example, um, if you were to place the New Testament books according to the order in which it was written. Uh, first comes James, uh, and, and then we have the book of Galatians, and then we have First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. Well, James, First Thessalonians, uh, James, Galatians, First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians talk about completely different stuff. So it wouldn't help in that way. Again, good if you can, not a necessity. Any questions? Anybody has a question you could ask? While you guys are thinking of the question, I just answer this. Uh, there are those who might share the gospel with the people on the street, and then those people who share the gospel would base their questions on the Bible. Well, yeah, you can do that. When you're talking from the Bible, you can definitely, I mean, when, you, when you're sharing the gospel, you can use the Bible to share the gospel. But then, like I said, when you're sharing the gospel, explain concepts in the Bible. Okay, that would make sense to people. Don't talk about, well, uh, I want to share the gospel with you today, brother. And I want to tell you that this Bible that I'm holding in my hand has absolutely no error. For example, in Numbers chapter 25 and in 1 Corinthians, even though it says uh, 23,000 or 24,000, there is no error here. The thousand people are not missing. Don't explain those kind of things. Explain concepts found in the Bible. For example, I would like to use the Bible to talk to you about life after. Explain those kind of things. For those things, yes, definitely you can use the Bible. Now, yesterday also certain people were asking questions when we spoke about authenticity. How do we know that the Bible is true? How do we tell people? Well, it becomes, now I know, I know a lot of you are asking questions such as, well, do we have proof? Do we have proof to tell people that the Bible is true? We have archaeological evidences. We have enough archaeological evidence, but my question would be, 
would these archaeological evidences be enough to convince those people that the Bible is true? I don't think so. In the sense, will they be satisfied with it? No, I don't think so. Absolutely not. Because then their faith is based on the evidence, which is not bad. But then Jesus always talks about a childlike faith. And that's what should be the focus of our gospel when we talk to people. That's what I want you to keep in your mind. Ex use the Bible, explain concepts, but everything that we talk about this session is meant for those who have accepted the Lord Jesus and have an understanding of the background of how the Bible is. This is for our understanding. We learn these things and we appreciate the Bible. But these are not tools we would use to necessarily talk to someone when we share uh, the gospel. Uh, a few more minutes, any more questions? Just a few more minutes before we close. Before I close, can we just turn, I want to request, okay, I don't know if John Matai uncle is trying to ask a question, he raised his hand. Before we close, I just want to turn our attention. If you could just take your Bible to Psalm 119, and I'd like to read verses 105. Psalm 119 was. <laughs> I was just joking about the KJV version. I was, that was just a joke. Absolutely nothing wrong with the KJV version. I didn't say that there was anything wrong with the KJV version. Somebody else in the group did. I never said anything about the KJV version. But I did emphasize on the NIV. There's nothing wrong with the KJV. So it's just a joke. It's a bad joke. I'm sorry. There are no translations. There are no translations that we use today that is actually bad or anything. Okay. We just make fun of the KJV because it's very hard to read. Psalm 119 and verses 105. I'd like to read this verse and I hope you have your Bible to open with you. Psalm 119 and verses 105. Well, because of uh, because of the word of God, because the word of God is inspired, uh, because it is inerrant, therefore it illuminates me. The word of God says, your word therefore is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Anybody who is a true speaker can use the word of God because the word of God allows them to understand the difference between light and the darkness. It's not just the Bible, God speaks through different ways, but 
the bible is one way how god reveals himself and god's intention through his written word is that we would get to know him a little more our intention should be the same that i would get to know the lord a little more if any of you listening to me right now has written everything down but you just have it as information that's not enough my desire is that you know this lord as your personal lord and savior the word of god has been composed by god to give you or allow you to get into a personal relationship and for all of us who already accepted the lord jesus christ my encouragement is get to know this bible a little more read it daily appreciate when you read it understand wow look at what it says and every part of god's word is written composed inspired by god so when i read it i get to know my prayer is that we would use god's word as a lamp as a light so that i would never continue to walk in darkness but i would discard that and because of the word learn to walk in the light can i just pray for all of us you got a question send it to me i'll write an answer to the word i hope you guys enjoyed the class i love talking to you about bibliology uh, in the next week we're going to come together and we're going to study angelology the study about angels so i just want to say a word of prayer for all and i hope that you all have a good remaining part of the day father we thank you for your word your word is so powerful so beautiful we pray that this word that we've learned about will become will continue to become so real for every single day i pray for all of my friends whatever questions that they have i pray that they would learn to lay at your feet and i would i, I pray that they would examine their own hearts to see if they have enjoy a relationship with you i pray the word would be so real to them that those amongst us who might still be living in darkness through the word would come into an light those of us who already enjoy or taste of the goodness of the lord would drink of the word would, would, would crave the word like how the deer craves the word Thank you for this time. Bless all of you. Bless us all. We will be really blessed by you, God. I pray that you bless Raven to make the class tomorrow. Continue to be with us uh, and the clarity of this message. As the Word of God reminds us, Lord, we pray we would not be mere merely hearers of God's word and so fool ourselves to do what the Word tells us. Thank you. It is in your precious name we ask these things. Amen. Thank you guys. You are all ready to go. Thank you. Thanks, Jovan. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Take a Jovan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. मचा रेकॉर्ड आयता मचा इल्लो इल्वा इल्वा ना आगे तीनी स्टॉप मारी स्टॉप मारी नो आई थिंक आफ्टर एवरीबॉडी लीव्स एंड देन एंड द मीटिंग इट नो यू कैन जस्ट स्टॉप एंड देन वी कैन एंड द मीटिंग नो प्रॉब्लम ओके गॉड गॉड सो सॉरी